Hey Jordan, how's it going? What's up? Well, not much. Anything funny, interesting, or funny happen on TV, for instance, that you want to talk about? I haven't been paying much attention. Mm, I haven't heard much. Yeah. Yeah, things are pretty slow. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's actually funny that considering the sort of the heavy subject matter we've been talking about lately, we did spend a fairly, almost an embarrassing amount of time with our guest this week, Brett Ehrlich, talking about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock in the face at the Oscars. Well, but, uh, it's only because, you know, we all agreed, and as you'll hear in the conversation, it was unanimous that this very cleanly uh, parallels with... You know the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, cancel cancel culture. Yeah, uh, gender, uh, gender and and race in America. Uh, yep. Uh, Holocaust two. You know, all of these things that my own you know, personal issues and trauma mm-hmm, as yep. well. That's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is pertinent on that level. And like Brett pointed out too, it did actually feel kind of nice to. It felt like it was 2015 again. We could plug our, we could turn our brains off, <laughs> and talk about some dumb inane uh, celeb celeb bullshit. It was actually kind of refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. It was good to talk to Brett. Funny guy. Enjoyed talking, yeah. to, getting into him. this, he's a big Hollywood, LA lifestyle guy. So yep. he's, he's really suited to comment on this on this particular issue. Tinseltown Brett. That's that's what we call him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know, we also talked about the Supreme Court, the hearings that have been going on for um, Ketanji Brown Jackson for Supreme Court nomination, all the drama surrounding that and all the theatrics that have been going on there. Uh, a couple of things. I think it was a good one. We also had last week an episode that I think people would really enjoy with cartoonist Ellie Valley. Ellie Valley, I think, is one of the most uh, gifted you know, political cartoonists around, which used to be kind of like an art form that used to, you know, elicit emotions and and it's become very tame. And Ellie's a guy that has, is somewhat controversial that mm-hmm. I think uh, really inspires a lot of really intense sort of uh, conversation, which is, I think, exactly what the purpose of political cartoons should be in the first place. Uh, so was really happy to co- have him come on the show to talk about the the Russian and Ukraine conflict, um, the cartoons, some of the cartoons that he's been working on about that, how it ties into Israel and the the struggle of the Palestinians in the occupied territories, who has the right to self defense and who doesn't. A lot of really interesting parallels. That is a subscriber only episode. We don't really plug this that much for some mm-hmm. reason. We're the professional podcasters. We want people to subscribe. We kind of never mention it for some reason. I guess we're just, it's like a hipster. We're too cool to do a thing. But if you want to hear that episode with Ellie Valley, as well as any other future bonus content, every second week we put out a bonus episode. You can only hear those by subscribing over on theinsurgents.substack.com. So please do that and check out that really good episode with Ellie Valley, as well as future uh, bonus content we're going to put out on there. Definitely. Yeah. I, you don't want to miss it. Ellie is great. Uh, I, I really love his work. Yeah, and you've so you've got something you want to plug as well, right? Let's hear what let's hear you've been working on because I know you've got a you got a hot chip challenge coming up now. It's just it's yeah. in the books, right? Yeah, so as as some folks might know, I've been raising money for the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. This is a group that does work on the ground in Yemen to help alleviate their suffering. And if you are unfamiliar, 
this is you know the, this is the home of the worst humanitarian crisis in the world. This is a war that has been raging for now seven years, spanned three presidential administrations. This is something that Biden campaigned on ending and ending support for the Saudis who lead this coalition in Yemen, and he has not done that. And and attacks on Yemen have increased now under Biden. So the suffering continues. The blockade on the country allowing food and aid to get in is is really crippling an already beleaguered country. So the, every dollar helps that we could get to organizations like YRRF. Uh, and yeah, I, I've been you know raising money for them at helpyemennow.com. And uh, we now hit the 20,000 mark. So as a, uh, you know, punishment slash reward, I told folks that if we hit 20,000, I would do the one chip challenge, that Pocky Carolina Reaper chip that just is the most brutal thing in the fucking world. And it, it's terrible. It's, it's so fucking awful to eat. And we're going to do it uh, on TYT's Twitch channel, Thursday, April 7th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's when I usually go live for Deep Dive. It is uh, not going to be fun, <laughs> but uh, some folks have agreed to join me. That is uh, Brooke Marks and Adiana Vega, who are two uh, uh, TYT mainstays. And Cenk Uecker is going to do it as well. He's been oh very boy. supportive of this the episode. The big man he himself. Said, yeah, he said he's going to do it, which I think will be funny. And, and if you don't like him, you don't like his takes, if you want to see him suffer, uh, tune in. If you like him, tune in anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you can still donate at helpyemennow.com. Is this one you've done before? Have you eaten this chip before, or is this a new one? Because I, I yeah, know you've done I, a I've similar done challenge before. Three times, but okay. it gets spicier every year. Oh, shit. They like they make it worse every year. So this I haven't done I haven't done it in like two years. It's gonna be bad. Okay. It's gonna be well. Very, I'm looking very forward bad. to tuning into that. Um, as as a show of support, of course. You know, we're partners. <laughs> I want to be there to s- support you on this, and I'm also gonna probably if I happen to have a little chuckle over it and mm-hmm. the pain and suffering that I'm witnessing. You know, that's we don't need to get into that, but. I, yeah. I hope everyone, yeah, please, please donate to that and and check out Jordan, uh, a suffering, suffering for this this fundraising effort. It's a good cause and it will be funny for sure as well to watch. Yeah, it should be good. It yeah. should be good. Yeah, helpyemennow dot com and we're still collecting donations. Every dollar counts and it goes to actual real work. It's not just going to overhead at some you know giant NGO. This is an actual group that does real work on the ground in Yemen. So you will be making a difference in people's lives in that country. Great. Yeah, really great cause. And I think it's, you know, honestly, I think it's really great that considering everything that's going on in the news cycle right now, the way that this has been laser focused on uh, invasion of Ukraine as if it's this unique, unique humanitarian disaster and keeping the focus on things that like the America and the West has been directly responsible for, I think has been, has been really cool. So I'm, I'm happy you're doing that. Um, yeah. Let's get to our conversation with Brett Ehrlich. It's getting pretty late here. Uh, this is a late night, late night mm-hmm. podcast app. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, uh, I think everyone's going to enjoy that. It's a little, it's maybe a little bit more lighthearted than, than what we've been doing lately, but uh, I had a great time talking to Brett. Great stuff. Once again, subscribe to this podcast, folks. If you like the content, you gotta, you gotta give. 
You got to subscribe. <laughs> Theinsurgents.substack.com. That's where you do it. It's five bucks. Get all the bonus episodes. And now let's get to Brett Ehrlich. He will be joining the program right after this. Like my main thing watching watching the slap play out last night the slap was before all the discourse started before the takes started just seeing it seeing the footage roll in glissing what is this what just happened clicking on the link for the for the first time and seeing the footage with the with the japanese overdub on top which somehow made it more surreal and and funny <laughs> mm-hmm. and then seeing the image after and I just, that's my main thing is I was just like, I found, I was really laughing. Like it was really funny. And just that feeling that, that feeling that like kind of euphoric feeling of like, oh, we're going to be talking about this for a while. Like this is going to be, this is a seismic, this is iconic image of this use of Smith with the, in mid slap with the follow through and kind of the, almost like a martial arts kind of form and rock reacting. I was just like, this is wonderful. That was my initial <laughs> reaction. I was just, I could, I was really, really laughing pretty hard. From seeing from seeing that before you know before the the take factory uh, went into gear and we started getting all the all the different takes. But what, what were you guys thinking? Personally, I got the information from our producer Emily on the watch list, who was like, I, uh, "For tomorrow, a lot of people are talking about this." And I just remember opening it and going, "What? <laughs> this seems fake." I went through everything that everybody else went through in real time when the you know. It's like your childhood. When you go through it, it's pure, and then you romanticize it, and then you remember it in ways it didn't happen later. <laughs> like that's all where, I, and every, and that's all compressed into like fourteen hours. All I could think about when I saw it was, what if that was Betty White? He was slapping, and she uh, fell down and hit her. It head would have been and, totally different then. Yeah. yeah, and then hoping it was, like wishing it was, <laughs> wishing she made it to be yeah. killed this way, as opposed to. <laughs> Her, bo- her stupid body just shutting down. Yeah, just her head spinning around 360 degrees like the fucking exorcist. Just like, why did, <laughs> why wasn't, why wasn't Liza Minnelli on stage then, you know? Yeah. Uh, I didn't see it. I was at, uh, I was at a show and on the way back home, I was checking Twitter just to see what I had missed. Cause I, I admittedly, I'm, I'm a big Oscars head. I watch it. <laughs> yeah, year, you're always talking I, about this. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like the Oscars and I couldn't watch this year, so I just figured, oh, I'll just check the updates. And I like it was like the first tweet I see, and I couldn't believe it. And then I saw the dub, and then I saw, and then I saw the takes, and it was like, oh boy, I, I really resent this already. Like at first, I thought it was like fascinating, um, and then the takes just kind of like spoiled it. But as I told you, and I would like to get into, I am firmly a slap truther. Mm. Go on. I think it was a work inside job, one hundred percent. Yeah, the ratings have been down. For, for the past few years um, and this is like this was already reported out like if you look at even just sites that talk about how you could watch the stream it's mentioned it's like they're really trying to go in on making this available online because ratings have been so bad and the La La Land thing I think same thing totally totally staged and you see this happen in other award shows and other live events, like the Steve Harvey one, whatever beauty pageant that was. Oh, whoops, we accidentally read the wrong winner. 
Like, I think all yeah. of these things are just totally, like, fucking planned for ratings boosts. And I sent you the graphic, Rob. As soon as that yeah. happened, ratings just spiked immediately and maybe dipped down around 50% and then held. Like, their viewership tripled just on that moment alone. This fictional world they've created has gotten so bad. I'm starting to doubt whether this stuff in the movies is true. <laughs> No, I, I wouldn't go that Whoa, far. Man. <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I That's don't think crazy. dogs have any power. Coda, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that was the chorus. I'm starting <laughs> to think that they can't even hear the coda. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't buy into any of these award show like <gasps> shocking. Right? You're moments. so wrong, Jordan. I, I hate, hate to it. burst your bubble, and I it's hope you're fake. doing a bit. But it's so there is a difference between pageantry and fakeness. Like they're, they're, listen, fakeness, we only have one word, fake. In terms of how it should be in Hollywood, it should be like Inuit languages for snow, where there are bajillions of different words for fakeness. Now, the fakeness in Hollywood is fake earnestness and fake kindness and fake, uh, fake caring. But in truth, what you don't understand is the people who put together shows don't necessarily have it all together because it's it's always kind of been a train wreck there's something so always terrible about it and and as people in as we live in a society and the i hope you hear that it's pouring down rain in los angeles in the background but um as things have kind of progressed and and the pageantry has worn off and a new generation has kind of matured like what we understand now is that like we just can't put up with the stupidity and ridiculousness anymore and we call it out and now now everybody just totally understands that like unless something terribly off the rails happens like we genuinely don't care but luckily for the academy they're also incompetent and so full of themselves that it seems like satire at this point yeah it's like i'm pretty sympathetic to the idea that it was a possible work i would never say like oh no if, if definitely not you know i come from a pro wrestling background as a pro wrestling fan for a while i was a little i was a pro wrestling journalist that's how i started off getting published in places like vice and stuff like that writing about pro wrestling so i would never say oh no for sure for sure they would never steep to this these lows of having this kind of uh a completely artificial staged moment in order to boost social media engagement and create this kind of viral content, get people watching the show, which undoubtedly happened. Um, I, so I would never totally write that, that theory off that conspiracy theory of the slap truth thing. Um, personally, I do think it was legitimate though, just based on Chris Rock's reaction alone. He did seem legitimately shaken up over it and kind of unsure how to proceed and uh you know he had this like glance off ca off camera like clearly kind of like in this moment of like of, you know checking not really sure what to do it just seemed it's it felt real and i like you know i know these guys are all act actors it's hollywood i don't think chris rock is that good of an actor i think there was a legitimate reaction <laughs> I'm I'm sympathetic to the slap truthers, but I'm I believe that this was not staged. It was a legitimate legitimate incident. That's and I'm I'm standing on that. That's I'm standing on that square. Uh, counterpoint. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just I'm all in. I'm I'm a slap truther. <laughs> he, That's he, okay. I mean, what you could what could have happened is look. They read those two in. Like, hey, make this joke. Will gets offended. Goes up, confronts him. Okay. But then pull smith aside 
and and give him kind of a different set of instructions like shove him hit him something like that because then that throws rock off and then he's he's you know he 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 maybe knew something right. was going to happen but then he's he's caught off guard by an actual sure slap this is the i'm i'm in i'm in all all the way i think yeah, yeah. i think this is cuz also the like publicists are so fucking insane and there's an el- a weird element there where you know his marriage has been under like this weird media scrutiny for so long. Like people are always, uh, you know, suggesting that they're unfaithful to one another and, you know, maligning their open marriage and all this weird stuff. I just, I don't, I don't fully believe that this was, uh, right. That this was, this is true. Your this happened. Normally. Jordan. I just need you to know for a fact, there is no way on God's green earth. Listen, you're a, you're from whatever, some Midwest state that I'm not sure is true or, or exists. And now you live somewhere near our nation's capital. You do not live and breathe Hollywood the way I have my whole life. <laughs> I'm from Los Angeles. I worked at a talent agency. I went to the Academy and for Rotten Tomatoes show, I actually like was at the Academy when they did the first year of like announcing that there's 10 nominees now. And I went there in a, it was semi-formal attire, they said. So I wore a tuxedo top and like, you know, pajama bottoms. And I put my feet on the, on the, the, the like seats in the Academy's uh, theater. And never before have I been so ostracized in my life as I was that day. This is, someone literally said to me, I'm not kidding. This is the Academy. <laughs> I'm not How dare you, sir. It's literally, it's not a joke, but that is the truth. Like it is, it absolutely happened. And Jordan, I don't believe you're an honest actor anymore. If you think <laughs> that this was fake. So whether you think it's fake or it's not. false flag, brother. The problem is, it is, the problem. <laughs> so here's the problem for me. The thing for me is I need, I didn't realize how much I needed this to happen. <laughs> like we can get into the cycle of of the take farm turning into stupidity but how much i needed a nothing story about old media to actually happen and make me like reveal that i could still care passionately about nonsense and, yeah. and allow me to have like a really passionate conversation about something that doesn't really matter like i needed that so much Uh, Let's get into the takes, but first we should introduce our guest. Joining us today is Brett Ehrlich of The Young Turks. He hosts Happy Half Hour and the Sunday Stream. He's a fixture on all of the other shows on the network. Brett, thank you for joining us. Hollywood Brett Ehrlich, as he's often often referred to. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm very glad to be here. Um, this is a, this is my wife's show. You know how different people in relationships have their shows. This is the Mm -hmm. show she watches or listens to. And, uh, it kind of, yes, she's like a subscriber and everything. So I don't, I don't like to like, you know, foist myself upon the, her rituals, but this is one of hers. So I'm very happy to be here. And, uh, I, you know, I've, I know both of you. Uh, you know, through uh, this crazy journey on life uh, called life, and I'm really happy to be on your turf right now. <laughs> yeah, we're glad you're here. But before we get into, you know, less important 
topics, we have to ask you, you know, we start with a hardball question for everyone. And everyone has answered, and now it's your turn. Brett Ehrlich, are you a gamer? I game. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I am game. Is that weird? I'm game, That's, and no, I do that. game. Yeah. I think you were often gaming together. Like you, were, I feel like you already know the answer to this question. Mm. Gotta ask. We all have, yeah. have been gaming together. Mm. All of yeah, us have We've all fragged yeah. teens. <laughs> that's one. Yeah, Brett's a big Fortnite head. What do you think about the no building? Uh, I, it was I'm loving it. Really, love inter- it. really interesting. And I usually say that when someone says something's interesting, it just means they're not interesting enough to have a take on it. But I found it interesting. Yeah, it's a you know different movement. Uh, obviously, the addition of different guns because a season change, the ability to climb. It, you develop, you know, you have to develop new strategies. And also, like, the vehicles. And now they have tanks and battle buses you can drive around. Uh, it's it's fun. Yes. I'm going to be excited, though, for builds to come back. Because just on instinct, I found myself, when I'm getting shot, just quickly hitting the buttons to throw up a quick wall. And I can't even do that. Nothing. So I'm like, I'm, like, losing a few seconds in a battle just out of, you know, habit, trying to quickly throw up a wall or a ramp or something. This is where I'm thriving against people that are making these mistakes right now. I'm feasting. (laughs) I'm feasting on this, this moment of weakness that people have. Um, I hope it comes back tomorrow. I like, wait, what do you think, Rob? You're down for it to come back or no, you do not like that. I I hope they make the no building a permanent option. I really like how it, the thing is, my thing with Fortnite is I've always really enjoyed the kind of like the graphics and the gameplay, but that element, I'm just, I don't know, I'm too old to figure out how to do it well. And it's, I find it very frustrating. That's always been the thing that makes me like not really want to get into it that much. So now I feel like with all these new gameplay additions that they've made, now I feel like it's like a way I enjoy it a lot more. Um, I know it's not everyone feels the same way, but I do think there's like an audience that does prefer it like that. So I do hope that they eventually just like split these off into into two options and give people the option to play as it is now. I really enjoy it. I've won three. I've won three games since it since, uh, since it kicked off. Wait a minute. I'm killing it out there. You wow. had victories royale? Oh, yeah. Or as they call them in America, victories quarter pounder? <laughs> yeah, it's about time, too. Proud of you. That's great. So I, I like the Fortnite. I am typically, I'm actively, if I'm playing Fortnite, I'm actively avoiding, like, narrative-driven games where, like, like a Red Dead Redemption um the zero zero dark horizon all those ones where like i know if i buy them like when those when those games come out i like i I start itching like i'm a trying not i'm actively trying not to buy them because i know i'll lose like two consecutive weeks because i'll play every waking hour until i finish the uh like if it's four weeks of narrative that you're supposed to take to play it through i'll play it through in like one week and I'm trying to actively avoid that. Like on meetings, I have to be playing a something. So I on meetings, I'm usually playing like some kind of uh, phone-based puzzle game. It sucks. I hate it about myself, but it's true. I've recently got into uh, solitaire to like focus during meetings. I don't know how, why that helps having like just my mind doing something during a meeting. But I find myself paying more attention to what people are saying if I'm kind of mindlessly organizing cards. Because in this in this world of having a phone, you just have like this. You have two different kinds of attention. You've got the like 
dumb it's like you're always babysitting the kid version of yourself and that game is just like go play solitaire you go do that the adult part of my mind is going to listen to the meeting but i definitely need my kid to play it's like when you're at the dentist and then there's those games for the kids where it's like you take the wooden balls and you move them just like some basic ass wait those are for activity. kids yeah they're for kids oh all right this is, this is weird grow up dude <laughs> Personally, I would never multitask while we did this podcast, for instance. I wouldn't watch an NBA basketball game at the same time while I do this or <laughs> do anything else. I find it kind of unprofessional, but you know, you, if you guys are into that kind of thing. I, mean, I wouldn't chug an Underberg, so joke's yeah. on you. Good. I've, never, I've never tried to crank out my Magic uh, Arena dailies while doing the show, ever. That's my Good. promise to you, the listener. Good. I'm glad we can all agree on that. <laughs> I wouldn't help um, the homeless find a home. I wouldn't do something well, like that. Of, I would do that mantra. personally. Yeah, I would do that because that's the kind of thing that I'm passionate about. But. And and honestly, that's a great thing that you bring up passion because I'm actively passionate about like 15 things while this podcast is happening. <laughs> uh, so we were just getting into uh, the hot takes from the Will Smith slap slapping and I know one that Brett was like really pushing that he like firmly believed was that this was a, a, a false flag op to cover up the Azov battalion uh, massacre right. videos yeah that was something I saw Brett Brett pushing really hard online today hashtag renazify the Yemen <laughs> <laughs> just like everyone trying to fit this into their worldview and make this like just justify whatever they believe or have been talking about over the yeah. past few weeks was just really quite the spectacle. Well, because you got it on both ends. Because that's the thing. The conspiracy that you were outlining, the 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 trutherism, that I can get behind just because the possibility of it at least, just because it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, that starts see, and ends at ratings. Yeah, that's like... Yeah, you see it brought in the ratings. It. You see it got people talking. It created this uh, this iconic viral moment. So, of course, that would be a possibility, even if I might not agree that that's what happened. But yeah, you had on... on on both sides of the conspiracy angle, though, you had this was Putin. This has Putin's fingerprints all over it. Um, mm-hmm. He just wants to distract us from uh, from Ukraine. And on the other end, on the other side of that, this was the CIA distracting us from footage of war crimes that were being committed by these fascist militias in Ukraine. So you had both of those conspiracy angles, um, <laughs> which I, that was unbelievably unhinged. Do you know what it is? <laughs> Have you ever watched like Planet Earth? And they do the deep sea episode and a whale carcass has made its way to the bottom of the ocean. And they play a time lapse of every creature in the world just devouring it until it's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like like 40 sharks, 20 worms, like a crab and some kind of bacteria that for some reason turns purple. That's what it is. And and things that are eating the whale get eaten by other things. That's what's happening. Yeah. And at the end of it, everyone's full. <laughs> That's what's happening with the Will Smith thing. And it had been so long since anyone gave a crap about generic ass pop culture events. Yeah. That's what you were saying. It was kind of refreshing. Oh, God. I, I loved it. I, could, so like I did an Instagram again. live. Yeah. Just to put it in context, I've never done an Instagram live, but I was like, I can't sleep. I need to talk about it. It's like when your team wins a, an, like the playoff game and you're like, well, I'm definitely watching SportsCenter three times through after this. Yeah. 
I want to see Stephen A react to it. I want to see Skip and Shannon react to it. I got to see all the different. Right. And and you can tell how into it you are by yeah. how annoying the the sportscaster is that you're willing to put up <laughs> with talking about it. Like once you see like Skip Bayless, Skip whatever the hell his name is, show up. Once once Colin Cowherd starts opining, you're like, wow, I really did care about this game, and I I'm, I'm yeah. a grown ass man. I'm deep into this now. Um, no, but like we were saying, so there's the conspiracy. There's the conspiracy angle. There was a, there was a couple of different forms that this was taking. There is the conspiracy angle, which I think we've covered. A lot of it, which you mentioned, do with the Betty White thing. A lot of it was just like, imagine if this situation had happened, but it'd been completely different. Well, it wouldn't have been very funny then, would it? Um, that kind of thing. If it had been, yeah, if it had been Betty White, correct. If it had been a white guy slapping a black guy, if it had been a black guy slapping a woman, it's like, okay, well, none of that happened though. That's not what happened. So I don't know why we need to Listen, engage with that. <laughs> let me let me just give you a real response. I tweeted at bretterlick.com slash forward slash join no i tweeted sorry but you can't back victims of jokes over victims of of assault which is true i stand Mm -hmm. behind that and someone said i think the question is quote let me start with quote quote i think the question is why do you have a problem with the man standing up for his wife and protecting her self-respect that's not about quote ownership it's about loyalty But somehow, because it's this particular man, a well-earned slap is spun as violence. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Wonder why. Oh, get his ass. Someone just said that hitting someone is non-violent. Yeah. They just said that hitting someone is not hitting someone and that violence isn't violence. Once you're at that point, like, what do we all do? It was, I think uh, your your wife actually put it really well. It's like, I'm curious to see where the lefties, where the, some of the lefties fall on. Do you side with, you know, protecting a, or defending a disability or are you pro-violence now? Um, and how people break that down, I thought was very funny because it, it was really just, you know, split. Uh, Owen Higgins, friend of the show, just did a you know a very unscientific poll, but it's like okay, let's just let's just see how everyone feels. Was the slap okay or not okay? And it was like fifty fifty in the poll results with like several thousand votes. Like, and again, not scientific, but like people were very mixed on this. And I just did. I felt like it w- wasn't that complicated. So you have two things at work. You have like this is an internet thing, this is a Twitter thing, and this is a poll at the same time. People always, while answering a poll in my experience and analysis are like, I know what you're trying to do here. (laughs) And then they answer it trying to like outsmart it. That's one thing. Add to that the Twitter thing, which just kind of inspires everyone to be like, well, I'm definitely not going to be basic. I'm going to have to come up with this thing that is, I'm not a contrarian for contrarianism's sake, but I'm definitely not going to share a thought until I'm convinced that it's not what a decent person would say. Mm-hmm. there's also the weird split that you saw this a lot on the right as well which is just like oh is it everyone is too offended by jokes which they would they often hit on but also was it this like manly masculine act of defending your wife there was a big split along that lines too um that was kind of interesting seeing people trying to walk that tightrope as well yeah like anything to avoid saying hitting someone is bad <laughs> yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene tried to frame this as, you know, 
the resurgence or a, a, a masculinity renaissance. Like this is, this is guys standing up for themselves and doing what's right and just. How is that? How is that? We used your to be read? a real country. <laughs> yeah, a proper country. <laughs> dignified slaps were yeah, the way exactly. we settled things. And I just, I don't but know. If you take it off the glove and she's that so way. Yeah. even. She's so stupid because, like, she did not understand the uh, the uh, I don't know where it's from, but the don't interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake. Like, she should just <laughs> let this happen. Yeah, that's the thing. Had he just stayed there. And I think, like, uh, probably soon after, uh, folks would have put two and two together and realized... I don't know how many people knew she has alopecia, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, um, but she wasn't laughing, and I think people would have, you know, quickly realized, like, oh, this probably wasn't the best joke, but Smith saved him. And now people are talking about him and whether or not he should have slapped Chris Rock instead of just... You know, people later realizing, like, either if if not that night, then the next day, and people and people's reporting that that was probably an off color joke. Um, but yeah, he he intervened, and now the focus is on him. It was it was funny because it was like it was a bad joke on so many different levels. It was a bad joke in terms of just being like an underhanded, ableist, shitty thing to do, while also doing this like twenty five year old reference <laughs> to G.I. Jane, this random late nineties Ridley Scott movie with Demi Moore that probably no one remembers. It's just like uh, on a number of levels. This was like a awful joke. And that's why <laughs> it was amazing that this is what kicked off this massive iconic pop culture moment. And and honestly, like, listen, they're like, well, I'm sure he had writers who approved that. Like, I am a big proponent of the call me crazy, but like, I, I can speculate all day and it's super fun, but I will definitely caveat it all with, I don't have enough information to confirm that because this is... This is Chris Rock. I don't know how old he is. He's probably in his 50s. And he probably was like, I'm going to make a G.I. Jane joke because I see her with short hair. This is a guy, by the way, who did a documentary called Hair about, like, black women's hair. So, like, like, I just think he saw it and was like, I'm going to do the G.I. Jane joke. It's not necessarily disparaging. The last time he was telling a joke on the Oscar stage about them, he was talking about how bad an actress she is. (laughs) He said in 2016 that her boycotting the Oscars because hashtag Oscars so white is like him boycotting Rihanna's panties. He wasn't invited. You know, like... <laughs> I wouldn't be a it's so stupid. I wouldn't be a part of a club that wouldn't have me as a member. That is more of a like I am intending to be mean to you joke than I want you to make a movie that's GI Jane 2. Like it is just an <laughs> offhanded thing that he wanted to say. He I I'm pretty sure he didn't know she had alopecia and if she, he did know he took a swing and he missed, and he's a comedian. And this this is a guy who who freaking danced between the raindrops when he came out in 2016 and hosted the Oscars after hashtag Oscars so white. This is a deft comedian. This guy can handle it and figures it out. And he knows how to navigate a sticky situation. So if you're going to jump down his throat, odds are he just didn't know or else he would have planned accordingly. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. 
It's yeah, so and the bad. other the other genre of tweet about this, and I cannot believe we spent thirty minutes talking about this. I'm almost I'm almost like horrified looking <laughs> at the stop. clock. Can't stop. The can't other stop. genre of tweet about this though is the like, this is how does this relate to my own personal trauma? <laughs> there was which was a big part of this as well. Ayanna Presley. Yeah. Yeah. The, and right like, out of the gate. Thank you, Will Smith. It's like when you say it's my cue, and the people are like, no, it's not. This is not your cue. I know that the word cloud of alopecia has been invoked, but somebody got smacked in the face and that somebody was not as strong as the person physically as the person who smacked him in the face. And that's the thing. Like, I love that it, it just like sends me into speculation about their open relationship and how I'm convinced that that Will is not really that into it mm-hmm. and that she treats him like crap. I have no justification for that. That's my version of a terrible take. And I don't really share it as like my first foot forward in this discussion. But uh, I love that it's just like, yeah, let's just go face first into wanton speculation and making it about me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that ultimately where I land on it is just that, yeah, it was a, it was not a great joke on a number of levels. Um, It's probably not good to like, slap every single person that tells a bad or mean joke that's probably not a great precedent to set not that i really think that was happening overall though i did find it funny and that was my ultimate takeaway was like this was funny um i i don't think it really says anything about culture or society i just enjoyed it for what it was i laughed a lot and I think we can just leave it at that. It doesn't need to be about anything. It can just be it can just be a funny thing that happened on live TV. That's that's <laughs> kind of where I'm trying to leave it. I don't know, man. I think you're missing an opportunity to force Putin or uh, <laughs> Zelensky or uh, you know 9/11 things like that uh, into the conversation because those are you know th- those are really powerful moments. You could use right. these as springboards for broader conversations around pressing topics and please retweet please buy seth abramson's book <laughs> well zelensky was supposed to appear that was the really disappointing thing about the oscars zelensky oh, was supposed to be God. there sean penn's in, in beside himself he's gonna start he's gonna smelt his oscar that's what he's gonna do i'm so this. relieved because he talk about an outdated reference but like team america world police like it's literally the same <laughs> people that they were skewering then just getting like all just going head first all in on some of these causes and you know trying to use moments like this to to forward them in a self-congratulatory way and for him to make that statement like oh i'm gonna smell my oscar if this guy doesn't talk to the oscars i mean the reason you know what he would do would just be to call for a no-fly zone again yeah or to like, what are the celebs know, gonna ask do? for like, yeah. Ben gonna do <clears throat> talking to congress is one thing but if you want to talk to people who really get things done yeah you're gonna exactly. talk to the guy who just smacked chris rock in the face <laughs> it's so it's so weird that that was something he was trying to push i'm relieved it didn't happen because it would have we would have been through another cycle of well should we be doing this why aren't we sending migs over there yeah. and all of these other things that would absolutely escalate the situation um you could, it, could have done a nice tie relieved. in with the new tom tom cruise top gun <laughs> we're sending Some the scientologists a... to ukraine yeah exactly e-meters in tow also, I All didn't right. know Will Smith is like Scientology adjacent. You were saying today. Oh, he's yeah. Scientology immersed, isn't he? I don't know. I I I understand. Like my understanding is that he's had kind of like some associations with it. I think as like a PR thing, they kind of pulled back 
from being like official out members, but I do think that there's some kind of connection there. I hope they're Scientologists. That's the only thing that could explain it. In uh, his like thank you yeah. speech, he invoked the Lord. That's what's so stupid. Is he like I think we can equate in in very hilarious ways. Um the instinct of Sean Penn to say you gotta let Zelensky speak after this to the moment during Will Smith's acceptance speech because he won later where he goes God wants me to be a river to my people and love makes you do horrible things that's why I punched Chris Rock in the face yeah he's just a wife guy he's guilty of being a wife guy can you blame him yeah, but that's it. That's like if you want to look into the roots of this uh, invasion of Ukraine. I mean, you can talk about uh, Russia's desire to expand their territory. You can talk about NATO expansion, uh, the civil war that's been going on in East Ukraine for the last ten years. But it's probably related to some kind of tra- trauma that Putin's carrying around. You get him on one of those e-meters. <laughs> they're going to be able to figure that out. They're gonna, he's going to get in touch with all that stuff, and that's going to be the key. To stop in this whole thing. So maybe there's something to that. Imagine if Putin like gets into Scientology and just completely <laughs> reverses course. <laughs> they, just, they just start blackmailing him like they do all the other celebrities. Yeah, exactly. As they get all the, like, yeah, we, have, we, have, we happen to have a compromising info about you invading a country one time and doing a bunch of bad stuff. Listen, like, oh, not, not important. East Ukraine, West Ukraine, we've got to get back to home planet. Make it happen. Make it happen now. My fault. Big problem. I've read the entire Scientology book, which is like 140 pages. Dianetics, right? No, everybody says that. There's literally a book called Scientology. Dianetics is the Old Testament, and Scientology is the New Testament. Oh, yeah. Like 2% of people are actually into Dianetics. And it's longer, just like the Old Testament. Nine. I have it because one of my uh, one of my childhood friends, their their dentist at one point, like became a Scientologist and quit their practice, and then like gave Scientology books to all their clients. So somehow I ended up with a bunch of those, but I never never actually looked into that. Oh, it was sci- kind of funny to have them. Here's the experience of buying. I know we're on a tangent, but like the experience of buying a Scientology book at Barnes and Noble. First of all. It's in the religion section, but it's the only book that's wrapped in plastic. So you have to like, and then you, yeah. it felt buying dangerous the sci- ideas in there. I was in a book club called One Book, One Bottle, where you like drink, a, you know, you read the book and then you get together and you drink a bottle of booze and it was on Zoom and we all lived in different places. Anyways, my week, my month, I was like, I really want to read this. So we, I, I sent a bunch of people to go buy the book Scientology. So I was evangelizing it just to make fun of it. But the best part is no experience is closer to buying condoms when you're 15 than buying the book Scientology when you're 32. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, you buy this. Here's what the Scientology book starts out as. It's so, okay. Uh, it's very obvious that the Scientology book is the second swing at the uh, plate for L. Ron Hubbard. The first one is like this really long, dense book, apparently. But the second one is is basically like a pop philosophy BS book that starts with like, isn't the world just you and some friends? And you're like, yeah, isn't the sky blue? Yes. Doesn't the wind blow? Yes. And then you're like, I can agree with you. Isn't your family the closest? And then your friends are second closest. And then there's people you never meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you read it like little by little, 
you're you just agree with more things that are slightly more crazy than the last thing you agreed with isn't your spirit really an alien spirit that escaped from right. a volcano so it, it's like really like the frog slowly <laughs> boiling in the pot like if you got out of the pot and came back like an hour later you're like this is so hot i need to not be in here like yeah. if you flip forward in scientology from chapter one to chapter 30 you're like xenu yeah what the hell where did this come from where does this guy where does this joker come anyways, from? anyways but that's that and that's why yeah. I'm smelting down my Oscar. <laughs> uh, another thing we wanted to, t- unless you guys had any other takes about Will Smith, I, I wanted to I, get. I think we covered that pretty. He thoroughly. apologized. He, did. he apologized. Did you see that? I did see that. Did. Yeah. He apologized in a way that I was so happy with because it was so direct that all these people in the meantime who showed up and were like, "He's totally justified." He sat around with some folks and was like, "I can't just slap people at the Oscars." For all the people who went on on the stage at the Oscars that really deserve to be slapped, like that that offhand GI Jane joke was not one of them. So I love when the person that everyone went to bat for is like, "Oh no, I was an idiot." So that's my favorite thing, and I can't wait for people to work that back into the, you know, he's the actual victim rather than the person who got hit in the face, and then like a total professional moved on afterwards, like Chris Rock did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we've done. What are we at right now? Forty-one <laughs> minutes. I think we've done forty minutes l- more than we should have on the subject. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, I just want to get friends... into this show for. Yeah, the they pop know they wanted talk. to hear the takes. They wanted to hear the takes about Hollywood, all the celebs, the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Give your. This is what we're known. Give for. yourself well, we usually do Kardashian to just coverage, so. slum it. Give your if this yeah. is such a high-minded show, the insurgents. In the slot, like if you're sharing yeah. the name of your podcast with like a Shailene Woodley movie, like you know you mean <laughs> is business. That a, is that a movie? Uh, <laughs> I think it's insurgent singular. There's like insurgent. divergent, right? But the second, oh, but the, oh, the I never saw those ones. Sequel, I don't know. This the fan film I made is called Insurgents. Yeah, the oh. sequel. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Descendants. I get Sorry, pre- The Descendants is this podcast, right? It's oh, another so- Shailene Woodley movie, though. No, that's just kind of how the conversation goes. <laughs> it just descends. Um, <laughs> so, Katanji Brown Jackson was before the Senate Judiciary Committee last week for her, you know, her nomination to be the next Supreme Court justice to replace Justice Breyer, and we saw. I mean, again, spectacles. We saw the right put on an absolute circus in their line of questioning and the questions ranging from, you know, was she too lenient in her sentencing on, you know, some of the most heinous behavior uh, behaviors in society that they knew would rile people up despite that only being a tiny sliver of the cases that she judged to, you know, accusations that she was, you know, pro uh, terrorism and, you know, outrage that she would even dare call Bush Cheney and Rumsfeld war criminals, despite them being war criminals uh, to what's a woman, uh, what's a gender, and this insinuation that as as a Supreme Court justice you have to have a clear, satisfactory answer to that. And I know Brett, you were watching those and commenting on them last week on on TYT shows, and I know Rob, you're paying close attention to them. So I'm just curious what you guys made of the the confirmation hearings last week. I'm not really, but you you didn't watch. <laughs> not you really. Hate. I saw some of the clips, but let's hear from Brett. I got, I got, I got some takes on this, but let's All hear from Brett. Right. I just really like that a lot of people are watching Supreme Court justice confirmation hearings to find out what a woman is. Yeah, it's usually where you yeah. get the, the the latest scientific updates. You're vaping. 
You were vaping during that, dude. You got vaped. I know the pitch shift, dude. You didn't have straight air in your lungs. You were like, oh, yeah. But I gotta, I gotta represent vape nation all around the world. Jordan got caught vaping. Oh, I saw. I saw. I was the impression we were still a free country. Yeah, yeah. If I can't vape huge clouds while I'm doing a podcast, then I had something to say, but I like I didn't you know i wanted to just interject but it was i still was you know i was still chewing <laughs> <laughs> still in chewing gang so good. <laughs> <Drooling>. <laughs> you feel like, can't wait till i empty the lungs <laughs> it's important <laughs> um that that is a definition of boring the the like what we saw of the confirmation hearings is like a normal Oscars without someone getting slapped in the face. It's just like, yeah, all right. This- like the reason that that Trump took over the Republican Party is because the Republicans handled themselves in a confirmation hearing just like that. Like you have two takes, right? You have the earnest take. My earnest take is all of the Republicans is the most hilarious part is all the Republicans be like, Lindsey Graham starting it off. I'm not going to drag your name through the gutter like the Democrats <laughs> did of the last two nominees, Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Comey Barrett. You're too good for that. I believe in you too much anyways. And then like Ted Cruz coming out there and going like, so why do you hang out with so many pedophiles and why do you love them so much? <laughs> it's so boring. Uh, yeah, they but they just knew that would rile up all the crazies because that's all they they care about now they don't but they don't they don't care when you know trump is directly linked to an actual pedophile who was running a human trafficking ring that's you know that's not something they should concern themselves with but you know non-existing uh non-existent basements at pizza shops that's definitely something we need to look into you know the democratic cabal is something that definitely we need to look into for this sort of stuff and now it's a judge who you know, by the nature of her role, would have to oversee these types of cases, uh, hamstrung by congressional inaction and antiquated statutes and laws regarding, you know, people's behavior on the internet, which has been a long, a long issue for decades. I mean, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act is like uh, a fucking uh, a law that was inspired by uh, War Games, the movie War Games, and still is on the books today. And while it's not directly applicable here, it's one of you know one of many antiquated laws uh, and statutes that govern the internet that Congress just doesn't know what to do with because it's it's an institution full of dinosaurs. So that was you know in part some her response to some of these questions, and Lindsey Graham was you know shocked that she would she and Dick Durbin would even suggest that Congress could and should update these laws to reflect you know, the realities uh, and, and evolution of technology. Uh, I think she handled herself well because they just wanted to smear her and inspire conspiracies. Update, I just got rid of that law because I know the password is Joshua. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, it's Thank not you. like anyone connected to the Supreme Court in the United States would be in any, invo- any way involved <laughs> in conspiracy theories or any of that stuff, especially <laughs> any Republicans. So it's like they, totally, they have a total, you know, they do have some moral standing in here to, to lecture people about that, definitely. Yeah. I hate the word um, moderate so much. 
uh, because it has no meaning, just like every other word, like man and woman these days. Am I right, boys? Um, but the word moderate has no meaning. <laughs> I am for the moderatization of society in one respect, but not another. I am for everyone looking at the Supreme Court insanity in the confirmation hearing where people are grandstanding like so many people just spoke about themselves for a long time and then we're like what does woman mean and you're just like this is so stupid i'm for people becoming a moderate in that respect to look at it and go this is not entertaining i don't feel the need to like tribalize up with people who are grandstanding for zero reason other than some ridiculous fake straw man argument about like what defines a man and a woman and critical race. I, I want people to be moderate in that sense and just stray away from like this in the insanity. But I also want people to be, you know, the version of moderate I want is for people to just like realize that be, like answer a bunch of polls about what a society should do and then let's pass legislation about it. Like, that's the one thing that isn't happening. Like, I'm happy that people are shying away from the crazies, theoretically. But uh, they're sadly, like, thinking that because they want to shy away from the crazy grandstanding of Supreme Court hearings, that they're also shying away from, like, the woke left that just wants to give you health care. Yeah, I mean, well, that's like I said, I've been somewhat checked out of paying attention to a lot of this stuff when it comes to American politics. Um, that's just generally been my observation seeing previous supreme court hearings uh that have happened over the last couple of years how a lot of this time a lot of the time it is already kind of determined the actual outcome so it is just an exam an excuse for these like senators to uh, grandstand for a little bit and get on some cable news uh highlight reels and just sort of like raise their own profile that's a lot about what it is you've seen it obviously in these hearings uh from what i've seen from, from like the, the republicans like you pointed out you also saw it with that cory booker thing as well and that turned into this like kind of like very kind of forced viral moment also everyone's like you need to see cory booker's speech and it's just this painfully saccharine thing about like fucking the promise of america and all this this stuff which just was like i found a little bit uh you know, I found a little bit stomach churning. My other big takeaway, though, from from uh, this hearing, which is you can see the groundwork that's been laid about like critical race theory over the last year or two, and the amount of time they've spent talking about this, and how now it's just like that's become so meaningless to the extent that it's just like basically hiring a black person for any role in the government um, or a black woman in particular that is now critical race theory it's like there's really no um, you know you saw that as soon as she was announced where everyone's like oh is she actually qualified or is this without actually digging into what her actual qualifications are um, or, or looking at that whatsoever it's just the very idea now in terms of like the way that the right has framed these kind of arguments that a black person would be qualified at all for any of these important positions is just completely uh, false and arbitrary and critical race theory. They've always kind of leaned on that kind of rhetoric, but I think that's an example of how it's really escalated over the last year and how they've really like spent so much time talking about this and fear-mongering about this idea of CRT and like and having all these hearings and all these school board meetings and stuff for people freaking about CRT in the schools. That's kind of the end game is just to kind of delegitimize the idea that 
Democrats or liberals can hire a black person for any role, any important role in the federal government without it being framed as being some kind of like social justice uh, charity and the the actual qualifications uh, of, of the people that are being considered for these positions are completely irrelevant to that. It's it's purely based on on identity. And it's a pretty kind of, I think it's a pretty alarming sort of uh, step forward from where their rhetoric has been when it comes to this kind of stuff. Right. One of one of the things I thought they were going to bring up and make an issue out of, and I don't really remember being mentioned, and if it was, it might have been fleeting, uh, but there was coverage about a week before the hearings that they were going to question her on her ability to uh, judge uh, you know, objectively or recuse herself from any affirmative action cases, and specifically affirmative action cases uh, stemming from Harvard and the upcoming Harvard case, because... You know, because she first and foremost, because she's she's a black man who went to Harvard and has uh, affiliations with the institution. She serves on some board, but that board seat expires before she would even take the court. And I, you know, I, I'm surprised it didn't become as big of a thing. But, you know, they really wanted to hammer her on that, which to your point, Rob, they want to liken any black person, black man, black woman, black person in this country and specifically people advancing in the government and the Democratic Party as, you know, being some token hire or, you know, uh, another instance of identity politics. Never mind that she is, you know, Ketanji Brown Jackson is a supremely qualified candidate for the Supreme Court and received support from former aides of just about every Supreme Court justice over the past, like, 20 to 30 years. So not only is she qualified, people that have known her, people that clerked with her or worked with her, or people who are in the court and know of her and of her work all went publicly on the record to support her nomination. But this is just them wanting to fuel that that culture war. The, the, the line of attack from Ted Cruz I thought was so funny and showed just kind of how ridiculous it was, was the children's book thing. And because she was on the board at Georgetown Day School where that book, I guess, is in a classroom or in, in the library suggested that she has, you know, specifically weighed in or has a stance on that being part of the core school curriculum. And that was, you know, apparently a really good point to Republicans because they want to scare longer over over this bullshit. I don't think... What did he say? Like, do you think babies are racist? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so boring. Yeah. He's such, so like, a phone-it-in, like, like a satire of himself. Sir. Do you think baby? No one likes you, Ted Cruz. Not even the the crappy people in the Republican Party like you. They tolerate you because you kowtow to Trump, and that's the default setting. Like he has broken all these people who who are really scared that the the like language of politics they speak is going to be the way of like thou and thy. It's just a strange way. Like right now, when there's no Trump doing politics every day. They kind of get away with being speaking in this dry, like old timey politics speak. But the minute Trump comes back, he just is like, "You're an idiot, and you're a moron, and I'm gonna say fuck and bullshit at my rallies and expose how stupid these guys are." They do not like you, Ted Cruz. They never have, and they never will. But uh, mm-hmm. it's so ridiculous to me. My main criticism of critical race theory and and um, is that it uh, lies about our dear founding parents who did not own slaves, actually. No, but like, <laughs> I love that the argument is, listen, kids are not ready for you to go in there and 
tell them that there's multiple genders and that certain people love other certain people. They're not ready for it. Not even in a private school like Georgetown Day School, right? But then they have their religious private schools themselves where they teach you every weekend to drink the Lord's blood. And they, I went to a Catholic school on the fucking ceiling. There was a crucified dude with blood coming down into his eyes as he was dying, not of being hanged quickly. He dies of suffocation, they told us, because his blood, his rib cage collapses because he's got nails through his hand. And that's what happens when you get crucified. And they're like, yo, you can't, you cannot explain them why Uncle Bob loves Angelo. They, they're not ready for that. Yeah, that's too, it's, it's a bridge too far. But yeah. by the way, let's get back to drink. Like, this man died for your sins, you child. Like, you know, it's all bullshit. I love it. I love that they invoke it, too, because at this point, it's, you know, there's virtue single signaling they, they criticize the left of. Well, it's vice signaling on the right. It's just saying how much of an a-hole they are. And how they don't allow anyone to explain anything about how we could be a better nation. That's that's my central criticism of the Republican Party. That and all the racism. In that order. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What I, I, Ketanji Brown Jackson. And then also like T- Tucker Carlson being like, uh, like... Well, a criticism of K, KBJ as a nominee because she's black is a criticism that because Biden said he was a, a name a black woman is a criticism of Reagan because Reagan said he would hire a, a woman or nominate a woman to the Supreme Court. So a, nom, a criticism of Biden is a criticism of Reagan. But that's just to demonstrate how fundamentally simple the Republicans are right now. Um, that, that they will overlook that because they, they don't have to do anything else. Overlook the inherent hypocrisy and all of that. It's so stupid. And then Tucker being like, listen, um, you know, I don't know. He basically was, was saying that, that she being nominated, even though she's wildly successful, she's a, they, they picked her because she's black and then they pick a cookie cutter version of all of their normal beliefs, like everything in a typical Democrat would have, just a black one. So it's actually identity politics, which is the opposite of his original criticism of her, that they chose her just because she's black. Now they're choosing her just because of her ideas. I thought you wanted a world where we pick people just because of their ideas. All the while he's making, like he's ignoring the fact, he's like, if you want a real, if you want a real black person, says Tucker Carlton, he literally said this, you want a real black nominee, someone from a poor country, from a poor uh, neighborhood, as opposed to Kentaji Brent Jackson, who's, you know, the, the daughter of academics. You want a real black, according to Tucker Carlson, his words. You want someone like Clarence Thomas. When Clarence Thomas is only, the only thing about him that's black is his skin color, according to his definition of it. It's just that he grew up poor, which is what being a, quote, black is to Tucker Carlson. But and oh, I'm using all these terrible bits of language just to underscore how horrible Tucker Carlson is and how dismissive of, like, human beings he is. But the only thing they like about Clarence Thomas is that he loves Ayn Rand. And he's a cookie-cutter image of their right-wing ideology. So the thing that he is 
accusing the Democrats of doing is something he's very proud of Clarence Thomas about. Clarence Thomas also, by his own admission, is a beneficiary from affirmacies. That's, again, by his own admission, how he and now he abhors the entire uh, idea. So they don't care if he sits in on those cases, despite clearly, you know, opposing them now. It's favorable to Thurston. But they wanted uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson from uh, any potential upcoming. So really just, you know, they don't really care about what life as a, a black American could mean to somebody and how that might influence their jurisprudence, so long as it coincides with their worldview. And the recusal conversations, to go back to what Rob you know, kind of hinted at with the conspiracy thing, uh, those those conversations are rich because, you know, Thomas didn't, from the January 6th cases, was the only judge to, or the only justice to vote against releasing these records. And now we're learning more and more as the days go on just how involved and just how vocal his wife was in uh, <laughs> in supporting the efforts to overturn the election. Uh, it was at the January 6th rally. Um and was, you know, in pretty close communication with key Trump figures throughout this entire uh, effort, which I would say should cause you to recuse uh, yourself from any related cases. And if you need an example of someone who's done that in the past, you could look to Clarence Thomas for recusing themselves if a family member is involved or tied to an organization in the case. The Virginia Military Institute case from the 90s that looked at admissions, gender-based admissions policies at VMI, he recused himself from the case because his son at the time was uh, enrolled there. So he, people are now trying to say, oh, well, no, just because it's his spouse doesn't mean that he needs to recuse himself. Well, he recused himself when his son was involved or, or, or tied to an institution before the court. So it's, it's absurd that we don't have a set standard for justices and when, when and when they shouldn't uh, recuse themselves from cases. But this is this is really fucking egregious. Well, it speaks to how I think like bad Democrats are playing hardball and like doing doing politics when like regardless of what's happening with these hearings, they are still at like a deficit on the Supreme Court. They need to be doing more to try and like uh, change that, alter that balance of power. Obviously, like we in in this kind of pipe dream early on, they said maybe they'll expand the court. Obviously, that's that's not happening. Nothing radical like that's ever going to happen. Um, and yeah, it's like if they if Republicans found uh, emails like that for like uh, you know uh, Breyer or any one of these liberal justices previously, they would certainly be mounting an effort to just get them off the fucking Supreme Court and replace them with someone else. Yeah, and it's like Democrats aren't even like talking about doing that. It's more just like yeah, maybe we can get him to possibly recuse himself from some of these cases. And it's like no, you should be seizing on this to like fucking get try to remove this guy off the court and try and shift that balance. Um, which is already like set up for the next, you know, couple of decades to have all whatever possible, even if you get around to eventually passing some legislation that might help people, which doesn't even look like it's going to happen in the first place. Um, they're pretty much set up to just completely, um, deny them the ability to do that because of this conservative slant of the Supreme court. They should be playing, playing hardball, trying to change that. And they're, they're not even like talking about that, that option, which is like, well, that's pretty amazing. To the me. party isn't, but, but organizations are, um, but whether or not they listen to him is is another thing. So like I don't I don't think the administration or Congress is going to do it. But there are like progressive organizations that are now calling for his impeachment. Yeah, I think you guys are thinking it's too much small ball. I think we need to give. I don't know if you followed this, but I think it was an Indiana senator who said that uh, you know we should not let the Supreme Court 
a lo- make decisions like loving versus Georgia, which is, or I think that was the one with interracial marriage. <laughs> yeah, loving versus Virginia. Living versus Virginia. This is what we need to do. Overturn loving versus Virginia. Then get a state to make interracial marriage illegal. Then throw a birthday party for Clarence Thomas in one of those states. Lure him there with his oh, wife. Shit. Arrest him. That's 12D chess. Put him in jail. You can't. There we go. Can't. Don't, you know, whenever. I don't know if the Zoom, if jails have Zoom or anything, but I don't think they should be allowed to. They should be privatized, so first do, of all. Yeah. And then don't let him participate. And that's how you win the big game, my friend. Nice. I like it. Yeah. And let me talk about Bowers versus Hardwick if we're talking about silly names <laughs> for anonymous people in uh, Supreme Court justices, because that was the Georgia sodomy case. Bowers, as in Bauer, Bow, Bow versus Hardwick, which is another word for a penis. Mm. I've never heard that one. Actually. Oh, Bowers versus Hardwick was like they just make up names like Roe versus Wade. It's like, oh, it's like how to get across the 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 river as you do Roe or do you Wade? Like they just make it up. <laughs> Loving versus Virginia was about love and marriage and Bowers versus Hardwick were the names they came up with to my recollection from AP history uh, about like <laughs> A hard wick was the name of the wow. uh, of the sodomy case because they want to protect the innocent but still have a laugh. Um, how are, how are we on time? Are we good? Oh Jesus! Good yeah, I think we're pretty. I think we're pretty good. <laughs> well, Brett, um, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk to us today. My pleasure. And uh, if it's not too late, vote Brett Ehrlich for Supreme Court Justice if you can. I'm running. I made stickers. I think there's still time. I got some pins. There's still time. Yeah. Yeah. Where can people find you and your work? Well, what you can do is uh, find out about the Young Turks. It's uh, like a, it's a club at a high school about people whose parents are Turkish. Um, you can go to youtube.com slash the Young Turks. But I also, every f- Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, we do the happy half hour where we do battle brackets and just have fun, tip back a few and and uh decompress i got the sunday stream at uh on sundays at five at uh, 3 p.m east pacific 6 p.m eastern and that's all at twitch.tv slash tyt if you're bored you can go to youtube.com slash viral videos and watch old videos i made on the internet that's very fun and uh and then i do videos uh twice a week on youtube.com slash rebel hq um and uh it's really super fun same as jordan and you can just really enjoy it and then everywhere else i'm just brett ehrlich on twitter follow me and i guarantee you uh your your the number on how many people you follow on twitter will go up yeah rebel hq yeah. they've like, they've got some great uh contributors on there yeah really chill ones really very yeah really chill contributors and then if you're gaming on fortnite nfls and mandela that's who i am nfls and mandela <laughs> combining my two favorite Wait. things sports and civil rights you forgot on friday nights you can catch brett on game buster it's true 8 30 eastern really fun there's other time zones Easy. but uh i think people can figure it out the yeah we can the only real one <laughs> well brett thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me thanks brett thank you 
Hey everyone, thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Ken in our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening.